0: Support for W.E.R.U. comes from the Maine Community Foundation, partnering with donors and nonprofits to strengthen Maine's economy by focusing on education, leadership, and quality of place on the web at mainecf.org. Support for W.E.R.U. also comes from Woodlawn Museum, Gardens and Park, 180 acres of an estate located near downtown Ellsworth. Or woodlawnmuseum.com.
1: The time's 10 o'clock and you are tuned to WERU-FM, 89.9 Blue Hill, 99.9 Bangor, and streaming online everywhere at WERU.org. Talk of the Towns with your host, Ron Beard, is up next.
0: operates out of a sense that everyone benefits when we share our knowledge, our experience, our concerns, our perspectives. We're about to practice the magic of community radio, in which those of us in the studio and you who are listening create a dialogue that we hope will be of benefit to our friends, our neighbors, and colleagues. I hope you'll stay with us for the next hour and talk of the towns. So, over the last 30 years, Maine Community Foundation has sent more than $220 $220 million in grants to projects and communities. In that time, donors working with the foundation have created nearly 1,500 individual funds with assets of $380 million. And this morning, we'll hear a little bit more about Maine Community Foundation. In the interest of full disclosure, we should say that WERU benefits as, as uh, uh, Maine Community Foundation is an underwriter for this show and, and supports the station in other ways. But that doesn't mean we're not delighted to have... Um, the, guest in the studio from Maine Community Foundation. Meredith Jones is the president of the foundation. Welcome to you, Meredith. Good morning. Welcome. And um, Karen Stanley. Karen is the chair of the Hancock County Council with Maine Community Foundation on the board and uh, also has many other um, um, positions in the community with Maine Coast Memorial Hospital, hospice volunteers of Hancock County, and she's the chair of the board of Camden National. Welcome to you, Karen.
1: Good morning. Thank you for having us.
0: Well, let's um, start a little bit with some some further background um, on Maine Community Foundation. Meredith, maybe you could start out and and, uh, a little bit of your own background. What led you to um, get involved in this? You've been involved with other organizations, um, leadership organizations in the state of Maine. What led you to Maine Community Foundation?
2: How could I not want to work at the (laughs) Maine Community Foundation? I was actually recruited by my predecessor's predecessor, Marion Kane, Mm -hmm. who served on the board of another organization I was working for at the time in Augusta. And she actually recruited me two times. Once when my children were in high school and I said no. And the second time I said, absolutely, it sounds awesome. So she recruited me in 1999. I think what she was looking for was somebody who'd been around Maine for some period of time who sort of Uh, uh, was involved at the statewide level in Augusta with some of the statewide policy issues and uh, I've been at the Community Foundation since then so Mm. I just finished my 15th year
0: Mm, Great, great Karen, how did you, um, you came to Ellsworth to start a business and and, uh, um, how did you first kind of learn about um, the the Community Foundation and get involved
1: In fact I did, I came with my husband in 99 uh, to establish Stanley Subaru and I found that um, the whole Ellsworth community was so open to volunteerism. It was a wonderful way to get involved. I first started my involvement working with the hospital and with hospice and a number of other organizations, but uh, would often hear about the work that the Maine Community Foundation was doing. So about seven years ago, I was asked to go on to the Hancock County Committee um, and stayed there You know, I'm still serving that term. And just recently, for the last three years, I've gone on to the full board.
0: Mm, great, great. Well, what was... what? what what was like um life like in your home communities when you were growing up? Was there a sense that there needed to be um a community foundation, or is that something relatively recent in in your um kind of understanding of how communities work? You know it's Meredith? so
2: funny you ask because Karen grew up not that far from where I grew up. Uh-huh. I grew up outside of Pittsburgh, and I'll let Karen tell her own story. but I think i'm I, I am sure that. Uh, The Pittsburgh area, the South Hills area where I grew up certainly could have benefited from a community foundation. But honestly, I was so involved with my own life that the thought of something beyond who I am and where do I fit uh, probably was not part of my consciousness. And it was an era when uh, I was very different than – uh, what my experience here in Maine. I mean, being in a suburb of a major metropolitan area where everybody sort of uh, commuted to the city, uh, It just, it was different. It mm. was very, very mm. different, very homogeneous. Um,
0: so you had a sense that some things might have happened, but you didn't really yeah, know no. in terms of philanthropy and, and kind of um, funders helping the community, but you didn't know about that.
2: I didn't know about that. I, th- I think, honestly, uh, how we define and express community here in Maine is very different than it was growing okay. up in the 50s and 60s in a suburb of Pittsburgh.
0: Mm-hmm. Karen, what was your kind of sense of community um, when you were growing up?
1: Although ju- just a few miles south of her, I did live in a very different environment because I lived in West Virginia in the Ohio Valley. It was a more rural environment. I didn't have a major metropolitan area that people commuted to. And this will certainly let people know my age, because before the United Way, it was the United Fund. Before the United Fund, it was the community chest. And these are all things that I grew up with and was very, very much aware of. As a matter of fact, I actually worked with the United Way at one time in high school as a volunteer going around helping to solicit donations. Um, I think a lot of my involvement was with nonprofit organizations, um, whether it was the Y or the church organizations or other community service organizations. I even, as a child with punch cards, would go to the American Red Cross and call people starting at the age of about 14, 15 to remind them to donate blood. So, wow,
0: I'm you know, impressed.
1: using three by five cards. Well, there was another reason for it it was a free babysitter for my mother who was a single mother. <laughs> <laughs> so sure. I was sort of put into the nonprofit sector. I just assumed that every community worked that way.
0: So tell us a little bit about the kind of origin of community foundations in general and then the main community foundation story.
1: Well, we
2: are, we as a field, community foundations are celebrating their 100th anniversary. And while 100 years ago, I think community foundations looked different than they look today, there are some fundamental elements of the work we are doing and the structure that has uh, remained. So it is a great news story. Uh, The first one was created in Cleveland, Ohio. Uh, there are now well in excess of 700 community foundations throughout the United States. Maine, New Hampshire, Vermont, and I think five other states are in the position of having only one community foundation, but most community foundations cover um, a sizable geographic region. In Boston, it covers Boston and maybe some of the counties surrounding Boston. But uh, as I said, Maine has one community foundation, We were created in 1983, and the story I love to tell is that a summer resident on MDI uh, had uh, a relationship with the New York Community Foundation and said, boy, Maine really needs a community foundation. And just like the name says, we're about Maine, we are about community, and we are in some ways a traditional foundation. So he put up $10.00. Uh, to do all of the legal work required to get a, a community foundation started here in Maine. People will say, well, how come... It started in Ellsworth. The answer is he was living on MDI, and Ellsworth seemed to be a good central location at the time. <laughs> it also is, I think, a statement about the part of Maine that is often overlooked. If you're in Portland, the thought of going to Topsum is um, difficult to even understand. So it, was, it started with $10 in 1983, so now some 31 years later, as you said in your opening remarks we're at about 400 million dollars and it's such a comment about people's desire to give back number one their philanthropy but it is also i think a comment about maine and how special this place is and how full-time residents but also part-time residents just love this place it is special
0: Mm. so um the 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 structure of the your community foundation. You provide services both to donors mm-hmm. and um, then to the nonprofit world or communities. Tell us a little right. bit about those that division of, of labor, so to speak.
2: Right. We have one former board member who describes us very simply as well. We have the banking side and then we have the heart <laughs> side. And and uh, I like to think that those two are interdependent. Uh, community foundations means that we have many donors, not just one donor. And indeed, part of our work is managing the assets of those donors and making sure that they benefit from our knowledge about what's going on in the nonprofit community. And then the hard side really is all the work we are doing with the nonprofit community in ensuring they have the resources to do the work they need to do to make Maine a better place. Mm.
0: And uh, Karen, you're part of the the, the local county um, fund, which is kind of advising on on uh, both where to find money, but also how to give money. Tell us a little bit about that role.
1: I am, and it's I'm truly passionate about this, as anyone on the board will know. Um, it's, it's absolutely a perfect example of philanthropy by the people, for the people. Um, you have a group of people that serve on a committee. They're all volunteers. They come together three times a year. We make certain that they represent the community, that they represent both from age and from sector, um, they learn about the community foundation and and are advocates for the work that the community foundation is doing. They may or may not have a direct representation to one of the nonprofits in the area, but they um, last year, for example, on the Hancock County Fund, which is a, a well endowed fund, and I can talk about that later, um, in hopes that the others will be as well down the down the way. But they will review every one of the grant applications grant. Uh, The date is February 15th, so we have a short window of time. We read every single one of these. There were over 40 last year that came before this committee. Each person is assigned a few of these to read and to interview and to get to know the people, regardless of the level of sophistication in their grant writing. Everyone has a chance. Um, and then they worked together in probably one of the most perfect group dynamic situations i 've ever experienced over a period of about three or four hours and last year gave away over a hundred thousand dollars in grants that went anywhere from five hundred to ten thousand so um it's truly been a phenomenal experience for me to serve on that committee.
0: Mm. And don't need to list them by name, but what other kinds of people are serving on that committee?
1: Um, we have, well, Hancock County, first of all, is one of the larger geographic spans. So we have people from Bucksport down east, Castine, uh down into Brooklyn. Uh, we have people from the arts. We have tried to get people that represent uh, timber, timber. Um, Conservation. We have a young mother who also is a volunteer or works in a nonprofit. So we have people who have children in the school system. We have retired people. Mm -hmm. Um, We have people that are very involved with other nonprofits in the area. But these people know best. What the needs are and what's happening on the ground in our community.
0: Hmm. And it seems to me that, as I recall the the history of county funds, um, that was an innovation that was um, Maine Community Foundation may have stolen from somebody else, but it's really tried to grow this notion of kind of local, um, uh, kind of a, a local think tank about how to make this work.
2: Yeah, that's I, that is true because I think. Uh, The first one was, what, 1986, I think? There were three that came online in 86, and the whole idea behind them is having uh, local resources directed by local individuals. And I think uh, sort of beneath the um, level was an effort to want to build the leadership capacity of local people as well. So it has grown. We are now covering... 14 of the 16 counties. Uh, For those folks in your listener area, um, Lincoln County is Booth Bay Harbor and that part of the state that has just come online. Mm. And that leaves us with Sagatahawk and Kennebec as the last two counties. So between 1986 and who knows when we will finish this project, we have worked to build local resources for local individuals and local
0: projects. So um, for the county funds, um, those dollars are, how, how do those dollars flow into the foundation? How do you get uh, a, a sum of money to, to give out? Where does the money come from? Yeah, for that particular.
2: <laughs> Show me the money. <laughs> it comes from individuals. Uh, the Well, let me give you the example of Lincoln County, which is somewhat anomalous because we did receive a $400,000 matching grant from a funder, uh, who has uh, it's a private foundation that's that is handled out of the Boston area, but the individual who created it loved booth Bay Harbor, so that is how we received that money. Hancock County fund was really through the generosity of of uh Deborah Pulliam, who, as many folks in this area know, created a number of funds and was extraordinarily anonymous but also philanthropic in this area. The earlier ones were really the seed money came from the Ford Foundation because the Ford Foundation really can't do much of its work at a local level, but it understood the value and importance of having local resources. So... That grant came to the Community Foundation to begin and launch the Arista County Fund, the Piscataquis Fund, and I think the Washington County Fund.
0: Mm-hmm. And again, describe the the <coughs> services, quote unquote, on the banking side. The services you provide to donors. How? What's the relationship with donors? And I think there's probably three or four different kinds of relationships that you might pick out. The, the notion yeah. of a donor advised fund right. versus. I'm um, putting money into the endowment. Right.
2: Yeah. right. In fact, uh, in in the um, realm of shameless promotion, uh, we do manage the endowment of this radio station, mm-hmm. WERU. So that is one service we provide to the nonprofit community. For tiny nonprofits that have small endowments, they can turn those endowments over to us for management. And what w- what they get is the availability of being pooled with millions of other dollars and can take advantage of the products uh, that we're able to uh, secure given the size and magnitude of the um, endowment for donor advisors we uh, are stewarding the resources so we're investing their charitable dollars we will provide them an array of services um, we we administer their grant making, so we will cut the checks for them when they give us recommendations for grants. We will also help them with their philanthropy if they're interested in being more strategic and come to us and say, you know, how how should I think about my philanthropy in a different way? We will help them think about their philanthropy.
0: So these are uh, folks who have said. Um, I've got money that I want to yeah. um, turn over to um, philanthropic purposes, mm-hmm. but we don't really want to do that ourselves. So they're right. working with you to, to do that.
2: Right. They're working with us. In fact, we have one donor who said, you know, I know about land conservation, and a lot of my charitable resources uh, are targeted to land, conservations, land, land conservation, but we want to learn more about Art the arts. So can you help us identify nonprofit organizations in the arts? And we will do that because we are, you know, we, we cover the state. So we can help people in southern Maine. Uh, learn about things taking place in a different part of Maine. And we do have one donor in York County who said, I really am interested in what's going on in Piscataquis County. So can mm. you help me make connections up there? Mm. So given the kind broad, of a broker,
0: a broker role. We
2: are a broker. Right.
0: You're absolutely
2: right. right. And in addition to that, we have some issues that the board cares about that they want to pursue. And so we invite donors to be part of that conversation as well.
0: Well I'll come back to you okay. with that um just a moment. Just to remind listeners they're tuned to W E R U listening to Talk of the Towns as we have a conversation, both looking back and looking ahead with uh, Meredith Jones of the Maine Community Foundation, along with uh, Karen Stanley, who's a member of the board and chair of the Hancock County uh, Committee or Fund. Um, you can participate a little later in our program and we'll list those phone numbers um, about half past the hour. Um, So, Meredith, you were saying that um, there are donor-advised funds. Mm -hmm. The the donor kind of decides where they want to put the money. Mm -hmm. And then there are initiatives that the board says, Mm -hmm. we really want to do this, so we're inviting other funds. Talk about some of those initiatives. Right.
2: I will do that, but I also want to talk about, I mean, uh, shame on me if I don't talk about the fact that we do manage Uh, A huge scholarship program, and um, I'll tell you a little story that connects back to donors. We have a woman on staff who really heads up our educational efforts, and we had a donor who was interested in uh, supporting... Uh, non-traditional students in a couple of parts of rural Maine, and but then they wanted to make an additional gift. And so my colleague, Sherry, talked to them about the need for part-time adult learners mm. throughout the state. And <clears throat> their thinking really was shaped by Sherry's just sharing data with them. And that million dollars ended up being directed in a different way than it was intended when she first had that conversation. So, Um, that ties neatly and directly into the three focus areas that I think were mentioned in the promo Mm -hmm. right ahead of this program. But the board a couple of years ago identified three areas that we think ultimately will shape the future of Maine communities. So that's the centerpiece. It really is all about Maine communities and it's about creating uh, an economy and life in communities that will allow people to stay uh, or be move to communities, stay in those communities, retire in those communities... And so the three areas are education, and right now we are focusing on higher education attainment. Uh, We can get into lots of data about our high school graduation rates versus our college persistence rates. Uh, We are interested in downtown revitalization, labeled as place, and connecting that vitality with what is Maine's unique asset, which is our natural resources. So it's connecting natural resources to, to downtown vibrancy, and the whole notion of leadership, and this this is one that, you know, we're still noodling. I mean, it has two dimensions. One dimension is the Community Foundation's own leadership, which the board will be discussing in January. But um, more fundamentally, for me, it is about um, expanding the talent in Maine with more people stepping up. To make a difference in their communities. I mean, I think all of us can identify individuals in our own communities or others. Because it does depend on an individual just sort of stepping up and saying, "We're going to do this," and lo and behold, magic happens. So,
0: Karen, how do you see this notion of leadership as a leader in your community? Um, you must see that um, there may not be as many people kind of following on and kind of sliding into those leadership positions. Is there a gap there? Is there going to be a gap, a leadership gap, as as older folks retire? Well,
1: I see that as an opportunity, and I okay. think the Maine Community mm-hmm. Foundation has done some work with this with the Encore program and tapping into them. It's it's about a conversation. You and I have talked about that a little bit before the show today, but how do we find these resources that are there um, with a large number of people that are retiring, but then also how do we mentor the next generation?
0: right. right. Uh,
1: whether it's through the schools, through philanthropy programs, there are a number of leadership training programs. I don't know if we have all the right measurables in place to understand what that impact is. Um, And then how do we get these people that are educated in Maine the ability to come back to the state Mm
0: -hmm. so that
1: they contribute in a meaningful way? Mm
0: -hmm. So it it just seems like um, those of us of our generation, I think I could generalize. Um, Is that because we all
2: have white hair? It might be. be. (laughs)
0: I'm glad it's not TV. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but uh, it, seems, it seems as though we were, we were graced with a little bit of, of uh, ability to, to give back. Yeah. And I just see young people today scrambling so hard to, to make it um, with all the pressures. How do we figure out ways to liberate them from those, those um, pressures? I'm not back?
1: sure that I agree with okay. the fact that they're not giving back. They may be giving back in different ways. Okay. I think that younger people are very cause-driven. I believe that they look at giving back in different ways and doing different things, and I think those of us who are sitting around the table that perhaps are a little bit older need to learn how to communicate, to connect, and to tap into and reward those resources. Mm-hmm.
0: And you did that um, as an employer. I mean, you kind of you had to deal with that uh, in a, in a company, figuring out how to motivate younger younger folks. It might be motivated in a different way than you or I were.
1: Yes. Yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. And it and it works, and it's contagious, and it can make a big difference.
0: Right. So we're talking about these larger um, um, kind of focus areas for the foundation. Mm-hmm. How does that relate to a county fund? Um, do you use the same areas of focus, those three big um, community things, or do you have some, some latitude?
1: No one is restricted by that. Anyone that wants to make a donation to the Maine Community Foundation, if they have a passion around health care, as I do, I don't feel left out. It doesn't fit into one of those mm-hmm. three pockets. But there's an awareness about it. And we've done a lot of work in educating all the county funds. We have a, a council across the state that brings all of the chair and co-chair together a couple times a year to be able to talk about issues of the Maine Community Foundation and how they do better philanthropy within their own areas and, and share best practices. So um, we're a little more reactive because we have these grant applications that come right. in to us. And, um, and so we really try to focus on what the needs are.
0: I'll ask both of you, what makes a good grant application? What are, what are some of the elements that, mm. that uh, stand out so that you say, oh, let's take a look further about well, that? Karen first and then Meredith Jones. You know,
1: some of the things that we, we do look for um, issues that demonstrate collaboration. Mm. We're looking more for programs. We're not really looking for capital campaigns. There are a few things that we're not doing. Um so that, there are some frameworks. There are some ways to look at it. And we've made it much easier, I believe, over the past few years by doing an online application. Um, no one is ruled out because of their lack of sophistication or size. We've even had people apply for grants that didn't have their own 501c3 but were sponsored under someone else's because they have a wonderful program initiative that mm. they'd like to put in
2: place. Mm.
0: How would you answer that question? What makes a good application?
2: Well, I I, I would uh, echo and underscore what Karen said, uh, maybe emphasizing uh, a, a, an aspect that the intended beneficiaries really are part of the project. It's it's uh, another way of saying it is it's always better together, and I think that is our philosophy. We're an asset based organization, so we tend to look at things that are. Working and how do we make them better on a on a different level? Uh, having taught sort of the fundamentals of grant writing uh, over the past several years, what I always say to individuals who are developing proposals for us is: the simpler, the better. Just say it using straightforward, simple language. I'm always befuddled by those proposals that come in with polysyllabic words that I have to look up, that have run on sentences that are in size nine type that I can't read because I'm so old. Huh. And I think people think that that is, that the wow factor is going to get them the money. But it doesn't. It Some of the best proposals... I, um, one of the best proposals was an individual who wanted some seed money, quite literally, to grow a pumpkin patch for his neighbors, the elementary school kids next door. It was handwritten, but boy, I understood it. It was simple. And guess what? He got the money.
0: Great. 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 Um, Karen, any, anything to add about um, grant writing until we, and then we'll turn to a, the larger question of how philanthropy is changing, but mm. anything more about that in terms well, of what's been successful? Well, I think it's important, successful? too,
1: for people that may be a little bit intimidated about this grant application process, that all they have to do is pick up the phone, call the main Community Foundation, and someone will help them through the process.
0: Mm. Mm. So it's a kind of a you don't open have, it's right. an open invitation. It's right. an open
1: invitation. You don't have to spend the money to hire a professional grant writer.
0: Um, but but it might help um, to to um, take the jargon that many of us are used to and get a nice English major to kind of make simple We all sentences. learned this in the eighth
2: grade. <laughs> Go back to what you learned in the eighth grade, and I think you'll be just fine. Karen's right. Yeah. I mean, we are we like to think of ourselves as helpers and not we gotchas so our job is to help you get money and if it's not a great match with us we will help you find a better match if there is one connect you with a donor since we talked about donor advised funds if there's a donor where we think there is a match but first and foremost go to the website so you're you're at least getting the fundamentals of the types of things we fund And then call us, and we will answer questions and walk you through the process. We will not
1: vet your proposal and edit it for you, but we will walk you through the process. And uh, there's also the opportunity for the interview, because if it may not be absolutely clear in your grant application... There's, there are many aha moments when one of the members of the committee actually calls a nonprofit, has the interview, better understands their purpose or their intent.
0: And then so, comes back. And then, yes. Comes back and, and advocates says, this is, for that I think way. I understand this in a different way. Right. Great, right. great. Well, just to l- remind listeners, they're tuned to Talk of the Towns here on WERU. We're looking back and looking ahead with the Maine Community Foundation, with our guests, Meredith Jones, who is president of the foundation, and Karen Stanley, who is a board member and uh, chair of the Hancock County uh, Fund. Um, I'll invite you as listeners to give us a call and perhaps share either your questions for our guests or your own experience with the uh, Maine Community Foundation or other um, local community building organizations. one six two five nine three seven eight or locally four six nine zero five zero zero give us a call here on talk of the towns well let's turn a little bit to the to the changing nature of philanthropy and and sometimes i think of uh, philanthropy and government in a dance and um... there's ebbs and flows or um, backs and forths with with that dance um... how meredith have you seen philanthropy as a whole changing in your your time with the Maine community foundation
2: I think it's changed a lot. Uh, uh, When I walked in in 1999, uh, not that state government was ever flush, but I think there were far more resources in state government than there are today. And so the dynamic and the tension tends to center around growing need in the community. I mean, we've just come through a a significant recession where the community needs works have been extraordinary at the same time that state government coffers were being asked to do more than they possibly could do, nonprofits were being asked to do more than they possibly could do, individual donations tended to decline, corporate donations tended to decline, and while we've come out of that recession, I think that we are still struggling. So how has philanthropy changed? We're being asked to do things that we might not have been asked to do 15 years ago. I mean, we are being asked now, and, and we're working on with a consortium of other funders on the closing of the Verso plant in Bucksport. I mean, 15 years ago, that, that plant was producing paper, great jobs in the Bucksport area, and as our economy shifts... Uh, philanthropy is being asked to do different things, so mm. I think um, it's it's a mixed story. State government just, I mean, and also I think philosophically, state government's approach to how do you deal with social services is a little bit different. Uh, it's not an easy time for any of us, that's mm. for sure.
0: Mm. So the the um Philanthropy is is responsive, but it also leads, it seems to me. Mm, There's a dance there. Yeah,
2: Yeah, there is a dance. And Karen sort of alluded to engaging the next generation of leaders. I think all the evidence I read suggests that uh, when we think about the next generation of philanthropists, uh, the people who are my children's age or even my children's children's, we're finding that they're much more cause-related. They're not necessarily institutional-related. And I think that that portends additional changes in philanthropy as we as we move forward. And then you know, at some point this morning, we might want to get into the difference between philanthropy and charity because I think charity really is sort of plugging holes in the dike and satisfying immediate needs. And what I'm challenged by is knowing that we can put unlimited resources into fuel assistance or into food pantries and it's desperately needed but we're not dealing with some of the underlying causes that are creating those situations and mm. I think that's where philanthropy comes in. It's really looking at some of those underlying causes and figuring out ways of changing the dynamics so that we're not having to put so much money into fuel assistance.
0: Mm. And do you see that at the county fund level um, in terms of how you might choose to fund one, one group who's who's more on the charity end versus what are underlying causes do you pay attention to that kind of
1: We do pay attention to that and we see a lot of changes but I'd just like to add one thing that meant that that sort of leads into this where the government stops and where um, where philanthropy opens up. I, I believe that you look at some of the smaller nonprofits in our sector many of which bring grant applications to the county. If the government was responsible for providing all of that work, it would never happen in Downey's Maine. Mm -hmm. By the time Mm -hmm. it was funneled through so many filters, it would never happen. And I believe that the people on the ground living in the communities, even with limited budgets and limited resources, know their specific needs and can deliver these services better. So that's what makes me even more proud of the work that a community foundation can do because they can make things happen faster. They can probably do it for a lot less expense. And they clearly understand the needs and the people that are being served.
0: So, that notion of, of a marketplace, whether it's a marketplace for profit or non profit, um, the marketplace generates the ideas and, and attends to those things in a way that government perhaps can't.
1: Mm. And, and probably wouldn't. You know, Maine right. might be at the. Lower level
0: of the mm-hmm. of the receipt. Mm-hmm. I'll re- list our phone number one more time: one eight six 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 two five nine three seven eight or four six nine zero five zero zero. If you've got a question or a comment about our conversation about uh, with uh, Meredith Jones and Karen Stanley, the Maine Community Foundation, um, this notion of of charity um, uh, that's where philanthropy probably started mm-hmm. was plugging those mm-hmm. gaps mm-hmm. um you've said that um, philanthropy is is beginning to take a, a longer view um karen you mentioned the word um that you're looking for collaboration that's another leadership right. move that i think um uh, philanthropy has, has said you're seeing um, the, the patterns that emerge and saying oh let's put some of these patterns together so that there's there's common work together
2: yeah that i yes um there's there's a story that others have told me about. There There are really four ways of thinking about this work. One is you can give somebody a fish, mm-hmm. and that is mm-hmm. really basic, that that person has something to eat that day. You can teach that person how to fish, and that person then has some basic skills to be able to continue to feed him or herself. You can work on the cre- the the conditions that create clean rivers and streams so that there are fish. That's yet one more way of thinking about it. And the fourth way where I think the Maine Community Foundation does some of its best work, it's sort of asking that person whether they even like fish. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so um, all our work, if you think about the $22 million that went out in 2013, All those grants covered one or more of those philosophies of charitable giving and philanthropy. Uh, Because our donors, getting back to the donors, our donors care about an array of issues. We've got donors who are really focused on changing the system, changing the conditions so that there are fresh rivers and streams for the individual to fish. There are people in our scholarship program is probably the best example. Let's give people the knowledge and skills they need to be successful on their own so that we don't have to feed them. And there are others uh, uh, who, who say, you know, we can't let people live in cold homes and have to choose between turning on the heat or eating. That's just inhumane. So we need to look at that. And then at the far extreme on, you know, did we ever think about whether, ask that person whether they liked FISH. I mean, as I said, some of our best work really is there in leadership, in, in fostering leadership, and getting people to ask the right questions, and involving them in the conversations.
1: Mm. I think there's some great examples of that, too, in Washington County with the Education Initiative. Mm, good point. And mm. as we ask a lot of the nonprofits to enter into collaboration to create good programs, Maine Community Foundation does this again and again. One of the programs that we have working with the CDFIs. Uh, is CDFI,
0: a, you better. (laughs) 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 Uh,
1: community development financing institutions and the work that they're doing, the work that the Maine Community Foundation is doing bringing together a lot of people, but also bringing together the CDFIs to find out what they need rather than telling them what they need. So collaboration works across the board for mm. the
2: Community Foundation. Mm. In fact, that's a program we ought to... I, I mean, if I go back to the office and don't say anything, having if I omit <laughs> having said this, uh, I will be roundly uh, chided, but we launched, with our donors' support, something called Impact Investing. Mm. So we are moving beyond traditional grant making. We, with our donor support and, uh, and some small discretionary funds, are working through what Karen described, those CDFIs. They are nonprofit organizations that really are on the front line of making uh, low-interest loan business loans. So we are making investments in uh, downtown revitalization and the food farm fisheries using... Uh, donor money to make low-interest loans. Mm. And we are deploying, I think we've deployed well over a million dollars right now with a goal of, long-term goal, of deploying closer to 20 million. But this will be incremental. Mm. Uh, And I think it is a way for us to take that huge amount of money we have and use all of the tools we possibly can to make communities a better
0: place mm. is this I'm assuming this is connected with um, the slow money movement
2: We are in fact the woman who uh, who was actually written up in the main Sunday telegram uh, Eleanor Kinney is very much involved in the work we are doing yes slow money and I think there's a there's actually a small investment group called no small, what is it, something potatoes, no small potatoes or something like that, where they're, it's an investment group, and they're making investments in for-profit businesses that that have uh, social impact. So there is a movement here in Maine focused largely on building our natural resource, resource asset base of the fisheries and farm and food to really think differently about the future Maine economy,
0: and and this is really um, a reflection on on a deeper understanding of how money works. It seems yeah, to me and exactly th- th- this connection hmm. between traditional philanthropy and the business model that says, "Oh, investment is a way to move communities forward." It isn't necessarily just philanthropy,
1: and that's why it's such an advantage for the people who live in Maine or. Or, uh, loyal to the state of Maine as donors to learn more about the Maine Community Foundation. My guess is that if you were to go on the street and survey people as to what they think the Maine Community Foundation does you wouldn't get this array of answers so mm. A lot to learn and a lot of opportunities and a lot of people to help tell the story.
0: Mm. So what are some of your favorite grants? What are the things that, that you've, you've, you've made a grant and then you've s- seen um, the kind of the rewards, um, the the impacts um, happen over time? Do you have any favorite stories to, um. to tell?
2: Well, one of my—I mean, I'm biased because i I was helpful at the at the very early stages of getting it going. Was uh, the Karen talks about the Encore program? There's a grant making component to it, but it's more than just grant making. It's been funded by a national funder, and um, we were given money to really engage baby boomers. And the idea behind it is that baby boomers are smart; they're talented. They are healthy. They want to give back. They have time. So how do we capture all of that in a way that really supports Maine communities? So in partnership with uh, the University of Maine, we have developed this Encore program, and as I said, it, there's a big grant-making component because we were given a million dollars to do this over five years, and we are training or have been training baby boomers on how to be more effective leaders in their communities by um, and how to do be a better community. Community reporter. I mean, we've had community reporters. We've had people run what for does the legislature. That mean? What it, what a community, a re- community reporter. Yeah. They they're using social media to report on what is taking place in communities. I mean, it's just very cool work, and it's all on a volunteer basis. Mm-hmm. It's amazing.
0: So it's an interesting connection between reporting that observing what's happening yeah. and as a link to then playing a leadership role. Right. You have to exactly. observe first.
2: You have to observe first, and yeah. you have to be connected. Right. You have to be able to ask questions and to know what's going on. Great. So they're doing that.
0: Karen, a favorite um, uh, um, grant, and then we'll take a phone call in just a minute.
1: I'm sure I don't have a favorite, but <laughs> <laughs> and that would really be showing favoritism. But um, one of the things the county funds do is at the end of a cycle, they have three meetings a year, they go back to visit some of the nonprofits. They will do site visits to talk to the organizations. And often what we read in the grant application we give the money, you don't thoroughly understand the impact that makes until you have the opportunity to do the site visits also on the board level the board meets not in Ellsworth not in in some institutional space but they go out three times a year and have their meetings in the areas that they've served so we've been able to see things all across the state whether it's a you know grist mill to um, buildings that have been restored in downtown areas to the Stonington Opera House um, all over the state, and even in Indian Township, some of the work that we're doing with the Native Americans.
0: Great. Well, let's take a phone call. Um, folks can participate in our conversation with uh, Meredith Jones and Karen Stanley by calling 1-866-625-9378. Um, if you'd like to give us your first name and where you're calling from, go ahead with your question or comment, please. Yes,
1: hi. Good morning. My name is Rick calling from Belfast. Good morning. Um, as, as I said, uh, interesting uh, show so far. Uh, I currently live in in uh, Waldo County with a goal of moving to Hancock, and I was wondering at this time, is it possible to look to see if
3: there's volunteers needed on any of the boards in my area, and how do I go about doing that?
2: The short answer is, why would you want to leave Belfast? That's where I live.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Because Brooksville Brooksville is an area that I
3: ultimately would like to live in, so that's where I'm heading for.
2: Yes. Uh, uh, If you would get in touch with me, I will put you in touch with folks who are in charge of the Hancock County Committee, and we will identify, if not an immediate opportunity for you to dig in and volunteer, just some suggestions on how how to get connected in Brooksville. Happy to do that.
1: Okay.
0: And
2: Great.
1: you have a number that you're going to give out or do I just go through the main Community Foundation itself? Uh,
2: you, well, let me give you our toll-free number. It is 877-700-6800. And my extension is 1104. Okay. Thank you. You're welcome.
0: Thanks for that phone call. 1-866-625-9378. I believe we have another call. Go ahead with your question. Or comment. This is Joe. Joe, welcome.
3: Hi there. I'm just calling in because you had asked me to be on the show.
0: <laughs> Great, Joe. Joe <laughs> Cooper. The- Joe Cooper yeah. from Friends in Action. Tell us a little bit about um, Friends in Action and what it does, and, and then um, how you connect to Maine Community Foundation.
3: Oh, okay. Well, that's a, that's. Um, I'm delighted to do that. Um, so, Friends in Action is a nonprofit that was founded in 2003. Um, We serve the elderly and disabled throughout Hancock County, um, even over the borders of Hancock County sometimes, and we support them with volunteer services, um, one-on-one support such as help with transportation, help with chores, um, pick up groceries and prescriptions, um, and we've now developed a lot of other programs to um, encourage uh, socialization, exercise, and activity. Uh, We've partnered with the city of Ellsworth and are just um, in the process of opening a new senior center in the former Moore School. So, very exciting time for us.
0: And that particular project is really um, part of, of Ellsworth's future. It, it really s- says there are going to be um, people with uh, white hair like me, and, and, and I won't say that about my guests, but, um, and, and they may need a place um, in, the, in the heart of the community to come together.
3: Absolutely. It's, a, it's really um, looking ahead to the fact that in Hancock County, um, the population is um, aging, This is true throughout the country. But in Maine, um, Maine is considered um, the oldest state in the nation um, because of the percentage of people who are older than, um, well, they start, the median age in Maine is well over 45. And, um, uh, but people over the age of 60, that population is really growing. And Hancock County is the oldest county in the state. So Ellsworth, the city of Ellsworth, realized that they really needed to look at this, and they were looking at it as a positive thing, which uh, is very exciting to me, um, and as a real opportunity for economic development. Um, The Senior Center will really support and give a lot of resources to an older population, bring the community together in um, lots of different ways. So it's exciting to us because we are... I'm able to be really in the center of everything, um, and I'm not rele- not relegating older adults um, to you know really sideline them. So, so
0: elder adults as resources, as Karen Stanley has mentioned. Tell us a little bit about your connection to Maine Community Foundation. John. Well,
3: this has been um, wonderful. Since we were first we first started, um, they've been a tremendous support to us in many ways. Um, currently. This past year, we received a small grant um, from them to support our new meal program. Uh, This is um, something that um, Ellsworth not only has been needing for some time, um, as along with the Senior Center, but a real opportunity to address issues of um, loneliness and poor nutrition. Um, So we're very excited at that opportunity. Maine Community Foundation is a, a fantastic resource to us, though, for um, uh, technical support. Um, we've turned to them when we've um, tried to develop our, our plant-giving program. Um, and they've uh, also, we have a small uh, endowment fund, and they have, we chose them after doing a lot of research to manage that fund. And it's, um, it's been really great for us.
0: Great. Well, Joe, thanks so much for coming to um, be with us here on Talk of the Towns this morning.
3: Oh, I'm happy to do it.
0: Great. Good luck with your work. Joe Thank Cooper of Friends in you. Action.
1: Yesterday, Ron, I had the opportunity to actually be in the Moore School, and I think one of the real advantages of having that center there is that the Y has their preschool program in the same building. So, yesterday, you saw the Y, who has received grants from the Maine Community Foundation, singing Christmas carols to the seniors who are part of Friends in Action and a building that's an economic. Um, asset to the city of Ellsworth. So once again, perfect example of collaboration all supported by philanthropy. Well,
0: it must be very gratifying to see these interconnections, these weavings um, that have happened over 30 years. Um, uh, Meredith, more about those interconnections that you see as a result perhaps of, of your grant making and and your donor um, connections.
2: It's, it's essential. And Uh, Going back to a comment I made earlier, I'm not sure this could happen in every place in the Mm -hmm. United States. I think... uh it, it, while it might not be unique to Maine or unique to New England, I think our values and our culture really does support that. And maybe it's because we've never had a lot here. Mm-hmm. So we know we need to depend on one another. But collaboration, I believe, I mean, it's a value I cherish, but it's also, I think, the key to our future.
0: Mm-hmm. 1-866-625-9378 or locally four six nine zero five zero zero. as we have a few more minutes, if you'd like to participate in our conversation with Meredith Jones and Karen Stanley of uh, Maine Community Foundation. We've alluded to um, the the a better understanding of the role of money. We've said that government isn't a place where money seems to exist as much these days. Um, we're going to see a, a mm-hmm. massive transfer of wealth. We've seen that term as, as mm-hmm. those of us who in our generation um, um, move on to the next phase of life or right. or afterlife. How do we approach that notion of the of the generational shift and the, and the passing on of of assets? Uh, how how are you working with individual donors and 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 the foundation to, to prepare for well, that? Well, I'm actually working with
2: my family on that. Are you? Uh, yeah. Yes, I am. Uh, in fact, every year for the last five years, I think, on Christmas Eve. Uh, each of my family members, and the family includes a perfect son, a perfect daughter, perfect spouses, <laughs> perfect grandchildren, L- and some-
0: is here, <laughs>
2: and uh, some former in-laws. Uh-huh. So it's a group of ten, including my spouse. I yep. don't want to forget him. Uh, they each get an envelope from me, and in that envelope are instructions on giving away. The money, mm. and mm. so what I'm trying to do, and so it becomes very competitive because we are a very competitive family. I, I, everybody tells me what their decision is, where they're directing their money, using the criteria we have I have established, and then uh, my blog readers actually vote on who had the best idea and why. And while uh, I, honestly, I did not grow up in a family that was exceptionally philanthropic, probably for a variety of reasons. We did the requisite um, dollars for church on Sunday. But beyond that, I, I, I just wasn't something that I grew up with. And now that I'm in the business, shame on me if I'm not uh, <laughs> proselytizing. So I think the, the greatest impact... Um, Hasn't really been my children. It's been my spouse and my grandchildren because my spouse did not grow up in a philanthropic family. He would, uh, to this day, he would have every dollar he ever earned in a passbook savings were it not for his wife. And for the grandkids, it has been an eye-opening experience of giving away money. I mean, I think it started off being just a little bit uncomfortable, but now they're sort of into the drill, and it's much, much easier. And also, Karen has been doing some very creative work in um, the Blue Hill area with George Stevens students and encouraging their a better understanding of the nonprofit community and uh, how better to use philanthropy to support that. So, Karen?
1: Yeah, and work with Mink Community Foundation and the Unity Foundation, um, another collaborative effort. George Stevens Academy allowed us last year to come into their school and put together a program for students to partner with nonprofits in the area. And my premise was that too often students – learn about the nonprofit work because they're forced to do community service hours if they do something wrong, which probably isn't the best <laughs> introduction, but also across the state of Maine, jobs in the nonprofit sector, one of the lar- probably one of the larger employment sectors. Mm-hmm. And it became apparent to me that my grandchildren didn't completely understand this or understand what I did or why I did it. And my hope is is that they will, well, they will now, but the way I have set up my estate, be able to carry that that sense of giving forward. So we developed a curriculum. We invited people to come in and talk about careers, but just talk about the functions of the nonprofits. We had two great partners last year um, working with us. The children were assigned to them. I shouldn't call them children. They were young adults for sure. Um, One of the examples was with the, um, the hospital in Blue Hill where they put together a fair changed the scope of the project completely from what the hospital wanted, but it was per example of the students putting this together. Um, they're off to a, a, a little delayed start this year, but they're looking towards second semester, and the students who were in the program last year are the ones that are going to be um, presenting the program to their peers and building the program um, for the coming year. So mm. um, it's so, a very exciting. So
0: they're learning about the nonprofit world and philanthropy at the same time? At the same time.
1: Uh-huh, uh-huh. So it's a combination of uh, working on a project with a nonprofit, but then also some classroom work on learning how those organizations function. What is a nonprofit? Where do they get their money? What are the types of careers that they have uh, an opportunity for there? Right. In fact, based on Karen's experience uh, sh- uh, with, under Karen's leadership,
2: she, Lori Roaming from the Unity Foundation, and I cooked up this fabulous curriculum for senior college. I mean, let me tell you, this was the best curriculum around philanthropy in the nonprofit world, and I think one person signed up, so we're not going to go forward. (laughs) We're
0: going to take a very short phone call. Um, uh, Welcome to Talk of the Towns. I believe this is Todd West. Welcome, Todd. Tell us a bit about um, Stonington Deer Isle High School and its connection to Maine Community Foundation. Hi, Ron. How are you? Good. 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 Yeah, Deer Stonington High School has uh, really benefited from the support of the Maine Community Foundation going back eight years now uh, to help kind of provide some seed funding for some really innovative educational programs that have taken place at our school over the years. And uh, we we hope to come back and and talk further with you, but um, you've helped turn that school around with your leadership, but you're saying Maine Community Foundation has, has helped as well. Absolutely. Um, you know, we've gone to them with a couple of different proposals for some, some innovative educational practices, primarily around helping teachers develop the capacity to implement those in their classrooms, and we got our first uh, Hancock County support back in 2008, and again a couple of years ago and last year for our Marine Studies Pathway and Arts Pathway great. Well, Todd, thanks so much for taking time out of your day as principal down there and uh, sharing with us this morning on Talk of the Towns. Absolutely. Thank you, Ron. Todd West from Deer Isle Stonington High School. Um, last word to, to Meredith as we wrap up. You've got a year. You've announced your retirement uh, about this time Not next year. Not retirement. Oh, well, I'm stepping, stepping down. down. There's from a subtle this particular role. Yes. What do you want to accomplish in the, in the next year? What's, what's your hope for next year? My
2: hope for the next year is that we can continue to build out the this impact and program, enticing more and more donors to support it, because I, I think it is a uh, unique way we can change the face of Maine. Uh, in addition to that, we've got a new leadership program in supporting the existing leaders of the leadership program that we want to get up and running. There are, uh, it's the completion of the Lincoln County Fund. Those are just some things that are very top of mind and making sure that I think we've got a solid board of directors going into the future because guess what? This is an organization that within the next 10 years could be could be a $1 billion foundation. And while some might consider that a hollow measure of success, you know what? It's a measure of people's commitment to Maine. I think it's there mm. if this organization does things right and does the right things.
0: Great. Well, I think you've uh, helped create the foundation for that, you and your predecessors, for that foundation. So thank you for all your work. Thank you for letting me talk about and, it. And maybe in the next Your next career, it'll be as as a radio host. Yes. Oh, good, good. We've come to that time when I want to remind you that this program was produced with support from Cooperative Extension and the Hancock County Extension Association. With offices in each county, Cooperative Extension is the major educational outreach program of the University of Maine. Our radio collaboration with WERU began in 1990 and continues with your support. Join us from 10 to 11 on the second and fourth Friday mornings of each month for Talk of the Towns. Our theme music is a medley from Coronac on a Balmain House Highland music recording. Thanks again to our guests in the studio, Meredith Jones, who's president of the Maine Community Foundation, and Karen Stanley, who's chair of the Hancock County Fund on the board of the Maine community foundation and has many other leadership roles in the community thanks to our underwriters who include Maine community foundation Uh, thanks to amy brown for engineering our program and stay tuned for on the wing with joel raymond this is ron beard your host for talk of the towns wishing you a good morning